episode 319. Everyone should go drive a ADAS equipped car. Just do it. If you if you don't have a lot of them in your area, go rent one and take your crew one at a time for a ride and let them drive it. And that will make them, I think, think about, wow. So I'm going to take my hand off the wheel. The car is going to recognize, even if I just loosen my grip on the wheel, it recognizes that I'm leaving my lane of travel. It warns me. It audibly warns me. It pings a bell or it flashes a dash. And then it backs off the throttle and steers the car back into the lane. If you're a technician, you know how this whole thing works. And you, you've been doing this for just a little while. You realize a lot of things were happening right there. And that is a powerful thing. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers, throughout North America and around the world. Carm Capriato here, and you're in episode 319 with an ASA Northwest Shop Owners Roundtable a plethora of wisdom on business success, mentoring business owners, the power of the invisible hand of association membership, and a lot more. Hey, glad you've chosen Remarkable Results Radio instead of the news. So much better than hearing the repeated stories of the day. Here's thanking Federal Mogul Motor Parts and Garage Gurus for supporting the Aftermarket's premier podcast. Looking for serious technical training and support? Online, on-site, and on-demand? Garage Gurus is there to help and has everything you need to know. Find out more at fmgaragegurus.com. Hey, here's a quick update to something new on the website. I'm sure you must know an automotive educator or student. I've created a special series for students to immerse themselves in the industry through the many podcasts I've done with educators, technicians, shop owners, and industry thought leaders. This special focus is for students, and you can find it at remarkableresults.biz slash student. As of this post, there are 57 episodes in this educational series called From Every Aspect of the Industry, Served Up for Their Learning. Welcome new Facebook friends of the podcast, Wayne Riley, Doru Baku, Stephen Muir, Keith Cash and Andy Jackson, and new LinkedIn connections, Anthony Lista, Brandon Jones, AAP, and Scott Kershaw. Thanks for every social connection you've made to the podcast. I have a convenient page for every social link. It's at remarkableresults.biz slash social. I traveled to the ASA Northwest event ATE in March 2018 and came away with some excellent interviews, and this is one of them. Let me say up front. There is some very sage advice here from three shop owners that can help fast-track your business. With me are Butch Jobst, the ASA Northwest Chairman of the Board from B&B Automotive in Aberdeen, Washington, Brian Smith, the ASA Northwest Immediate Past Chairman of the Board from Gig Harbor Automotive in Gig Harbor, Washington, and Brian Kelly, the Northwest Chairman-elect from Valley Automotive Electric in Covington, Washington. You know, the beauty of roundtables is the engagement of ideas and experiences all blended together. Here's a chance for you to be a fly on the wall in our studio and listen to this brain trust discuss their business, the industry, and their path to remarkable results. And here's a secret. It wasn't always smooth sailing. I want to thank ASA Northwest for their incredible hospitality and the ACT Group for hosting me at this top-shelf event. Keep an ear out for more roundtables coming from ATE. Now, you've made a good choice to forego the news channels and listen to this top-shelf aftermarket talk radio as we touch on mentoring and coaching, the e-myth, the invisible hand of ASA Northwest, the power of networking, the opportunities for growth with the aging vehicle car park, 
and embracing advanced technology. I'm sure you'll put this one down as one of your favorites. Hey, welcome everyone. I'm high atop the uh, Doubletree Hotel here in uh, beautiful Seattle, looking at the, the mountains in the back at the ASA Northwest Automotive Training Expo. When I go on the road, I think you all know that I love to I'd love to do one-on-one interviews. You know that's my life bread, but I love to get together with um, with a group of guys and ladies in the industry. And you're going to hear some really great interviews uh, that are going to come out of ATE here. And with me, I have Butch Jobst from B and B Automotive who is the ASA Northwest Chairman of the Board. Welcome, Butch. Hi, Carm. Also with me is Brian Smith, ASA Northwest Immediate Past Chairman of the Board from Gig Harbor Automotive Services. Yes. Welcome, Brian. And I have another Brian spelled with a Y. Brian Kelly, ASA Northwest Chairman-Elect from Valley Automotive Electric. Thank you, Carm. You guys have known each other for a bunch of years, huh? Yeah. Too many. You're ahead of me. Oh, oh, it's time for full disclosure now. Eight, eighth or eighth or tenth year of some form or another on the board. Wow. They 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 get you in. They say, "Well, could you sit on this committee? We need your advice on something." And then pretty soon you're in it. And then it's well, you, you missed a meeting, so you got voted into be a, a chairman or a committee. Yeah, I know. I know how that works. That's good. Yeah, and I think typically if somebody goes through the full cycle, it's about a ten-year gig. It is right. I, I think you forgot about four years, Brian. Is there you're something you're at, 10 at the, you're at ten at the end of your presidency plus two? Yeah, it's twelve. And then years. Usually, you've got yeah. two more. So you prior start. To you start at one you, of the you're chairs. You're not helping me, right? So, so you go secretary, treasurer, chairman elect, chairman immediate past chair. That's if you don't serve any committees ahead of time. Yes. A lot of times you do an education committee or a benefits committee or something for a couple of years. But that's good because oh, it's great the involvement. That I mean, let's just say in associations bring so much value. If you think back to wherever you were pulled kicking and screaming into this organization, and I know you have a great story to tell, Butch, about Peter Hunt, Pete Hunt, um, and how he invited you in. But if you look back to all the things that you did, did it make you a better business person? Oh, incredible. That's why I'm giving back. That's why I'm here. Yeah, Pete walked into the shop probably close to 30 years ago and said, with one look, looked around the shop. He had a national, uh, ASA national recruiter with him and said, handed me his card and said, you need to go to this meeting. And he was, it was friendly. It wasn't forceful, but it was like, one, I think he knows what he's talking about, and I think I better go. And there were probably 30 cars stacked around me that needed my attention and a phone ringing at the time. And I thought, it's time. So just the look in his eye. And the chaos going on in your world convinced you that maybe there was something around the next corner. Yeah, there's a lot to timing in this life. Yeah. And that was timing. It was perfect. I met Peter yesterday, and uh, he was a vibrant young fella. And I'm listening to him, and he told me a little bit about the start and what he's doing today, selling real estate. And I had to start putting three and four together and figured out that, uh, you know, Pete wasn't no 60 or he wasn't no 70. And then I met his wife, Sherry, married 59 years, and then he told me that he's 80. And I figured out, guys, that 80 is the new 65. Absolutely. He makes it look good. He does, doesn't <laughs> it? So what was so interesting in your story, Butch, is that he, he walked in, looked you in the eye, gave you his card, and said, I think you should get involved, or I think you should come to our meeting. Have you ever been able to take that initial feeling 
and do that for other people in the industry? I think I've probably convinced them to come to a meeting. It's so hard to put what we do in a box. That's the hardest thing that we've tried to do here for probably my tenure is we know that this is the reason we're successful. We know it's the camaraderie, it's the people, it's the training, it's the whole thing. It's having somebody. I mentioned it last year on my uh, on my. Sp- talk at i think it was uh breakfast or something i had to talk and i said uh, asa is is like i got people i got friends i got people everybody says well i got people for this and people for that and um but not AS, these kind of people asa is where even if you're not a member if you called up and say i've got a little problem i had a car fall off a hoist i've got this going on no one was hurt but what do I, how do i get out of this i mean chaotic situations there's somebody here that's been through it somebody else pick up the phone where are you located we have a shop nearby somebody called and said i've got a i've got a little problem i um you know financial problems or i had two techs quit me or i had a tech in an accident and now i have a car apart how can we get this job done if you call asa we're going to find somebody a shop's going to donate a guy for a day and we're going to go get it done so why guys do people want to go through this alone I was actually going to say something different, and I, I think I think there's one one key thing that we missed, um, you know, with ASA is as you talk about our group, and, and especially as we as, as we are involved with each other, as we're involved with newer members, um, the key word that you hear over and over and over is family, and you know whether it be a um, a family that uh, works in all aspects or slightly dysfunctional family, we treat each other as family. And we look out for one another, whether you're new, whether you've been in the, in, within the organization forever. Um, and that, that, to me, has always been the striking part. Um, and, and people come in, and they immediately recognize it. You know, if, you're, if you're at one of our winter retreats, for example, the, the feeling you get is that this group has literally been molded together. Mm-hmm. And so much of what we do draws that type of passion back out that you you just see it over and over and no matter who you talk to everybody says the same thing how how long have you guys been around each other and sometimes you'll say well i just met him at this retreat but it doesn't feel that way it doesn't take long once there's a willing candidate who wants to expand their horizons make change i mean you know change to me is is a thing that we've been talking about a lot lately how do you get guys to get to the trough and then get them to drink the water and that you know change is sometimes fear guys and so if you've ever spent some time have you ever spent some time brian mentoring anyone and and, and see the challenge that it may, it may be like doing a root canal but finally you got over the pain oh absolutely and that's that's part of what we do that butch was alluding to a moment ago when a shop owner recognizes that they need some help yeah, and they reach out to us uh, at ASA Northwest. We've got a number of individuals in place that are running successful operations that are willing to uh, dedicate some of their time to go help these guys out. Um, and it makes a, a tremendous difference. I mean, there are countless individuals in our ranks right now today um, that would not be where they are if they hadn't reached out and had somebody kind of put their arm around them and uh, you know, help, them, help them see the, uh, the forest through the trees a little bit the deepness of the relationships that uh, we see here are, are phenomenal. Uh, and we've been to, all three of us have been to other ASA events uh, in other areas of the country numerous times, and we've never seen another affiliate like ASA Northwest. You know, nobody else enjoys, for whatever reason, what we have here. Uh, we don't know, you know, the hows or whys of it. So how did this become a brotherhood and a sisterhood? 
And an, an interesting piece, and I think that's a great question, but an interesting piece to add to that before we jump, uh, one, one thing you look at is how many people who have retired out of this show back up at these functions. Yep. Um, we can Continue go downstairs right now and probably find four to five guys that are retired, no longer own a shop, that are here this weekend. Volunteering or taking training for whatever reason. I've been falling in love with the word legacy lately, and I want to do interviews with legacy people because I think they have stories to tell us about our beloved aftermarket. Tell us some stories that maybe people haven't heard for so long and let us appreciate you know, what the grassroots of growing our great industry was. The uh, worst of times brings that out in in people and we've we've got lots of stories about um brian's shop uh that story of how he came to own that shop he had that shop owner passed away and the wife was stuck with this business and it was really in over her head and the 20 group that she was in they just three guys went up and ran the store just left their stores and was taking turns in that store running it found brian lined him up and got him in there so she could have a life. I mean, that's, that's the extreme side. The, non, the non-extreme side of that is that we'll have a, a roundtable discussion at one of our events, and we might have ASA Northwest members across from one another who are competitors all week long, but they will have good, solid input for the group that helps everyone, and they have no trouble sharing it in that group. Nobody holds back. It's like, well, I'm not going to share that information. He might know that. That does not exist here. But guys, I, I hear this over and over again. The guy down the road is not my competitor. You believe in that? Yeah, but honestly, really, he's, they are. But. He's, he's not your competitor in, within these walls. When you, when you want to go back to work tomorrow and throw rocks across the road, he might be your competitor. But you both respect each other enough to have the open discussions, to talk about how you move forward. If you're learning at the same pace and you all realize what you need to do to run a great business then that's the benefit of all ships rise absolutely and that we have to get this in this independent aftermarket can't go away the dealers we know can't do all that it takes to fix things the changing business models that are going on out there i can only say this with all the events that i've been doing is that we need each other more than ever and that it, it, one of you said this there's a collective brain trust in our industry absolutely willing to give and that's this whole mentoring thing I would really love to dig a little deeper in that. Do you each have a great mentoring story to, to bring? I have a pretty exceptional one that uh, is pretty recent. And, you know, this happened about three, four years ago, and I, I'd been locked up uh, in a lawsuit with uh, King County. And, you know, I, we'll just, for lack of any other better word, uh, a neighbor who may have had a clinical diagnosis of some kind. And this lawsuit was literally one decade old. Um, we had we had filed into Superior Court. We had been to uh, the State Supreme Court, um, and and it was a it was a court case that just it did not look like it was ever going to end. Um, and it was a land use piece around my building and property. And we were at a national event in Detroit, and three of our we can call them brain trusts. Three of the guys who, two, well, two of the three are retired. The other third, well, I take that back. There were four guys here total. They took me out made sure that they they got me well lubricated lots of uh lots of drinks down the throat and then took me back to a hotel room and proceeded to tell me to get out of that position and it made it very clear that if i stayed doing what i was going to do or doing what i was doing um i was not going to grow old i would you were the mentee i was the mentee and at the end of the discussion 
Yeah, you, you don't quite absorb everything that's thrown at you. But by the time I went home, I knew that I had to find another route, uh, which led me to immediately search for another building and property. And these guys knew you well enough that they had to lubricate you so that you would listen. I think anybody in that position may not have had a choice. <laughs> and, uh, is it that you're, you're not employable, you can only work for yourself type of thing? No, I think... Uh, I think oh, yes, it, it does. It, yeah, yeah, part, part it, of it. it part it, of it. I think Karma actually you know, hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that's one of the biggest challenges we face. You know, we're independent business yes. people, yes. and it, it's, it's a curse sometimes. Love it or hate it, yeah. You know, we don't yeah. want to be told what to do. Right. We already know it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. We know it all. Absolutely, well, we know it all. And right. I think the other piece, too, is when you, get, when you get to a certain point, you only see what you want to see. You only see that what you did yesterday got you to today, mm-hmm. and that's going to get you to tomorrow until three guys who've been down a path before walk up and go, yeah, you're, you're on the wrong road. And, and clearly show you. I call it knowing what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. And there's so many much wiser people in, in, in every industry that we have. It, it, some young who've, who've actually experienced some more than us and some old wise sages out there that can, can really help. And it is exciting to see that you've got some uh, wise old sages hanging around here. And no doubt the smart ones want to spend some time with them. Yeah, they, uh, they bring a lot to the table when they're involved in it and when they uh when they tenure out they never quit just seems like there's a a pool of them that still give and that's part of being the family it's part of being in the family i'm talking with jonathan jacelli a technical product specialist with federal mogul motor parts now you're visiting shops every day so when you put product in the hands of the technicians and service advisors what are they saying uh, going back to Federal Mogul's long-term um, presence in the in the industry, they already know the product, and some of them we don't have to say much about. It's the newer product, the latest innovations that we come out with that just blow people away. So, Jonathan, you take that brand new OEX pad and you put it into the hands of a technician. What happens? They look at it and are kind of speechless for a couple seconds, and they just can't deny that it's an awesome-looking product. And they can't deny that it's going to work fantastic on their vehicles. Now, another phenomenal product line that is just one of the most iconic brands in the entire industry is Moog. Now, there's a lot going on with Moog. The newest thing with Moog is going to be, I think, the most important thing to the shops is a newer design ball joint that we created. And that was off of technicians' responses to a boot design. That's that compression-loaded ball joint with the pre-installed integral dust boot? Absolutely. And as soon as I pull that out of a box and show a technician or a shop owner, they just were like, this is amazing. So, Jonathan, would you say that you're a champion for Federal Mogul Motor Parts and all the premium products? Absolutely. And a champion for all the training? I'm, I'm very big on training. I've always been in training since I've been in the professional field. So, just to come back and support on the other end has just been an awesome experience. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On-site, online, or on-demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. You got a great mentoring story for us, Butch? I was at a time management class early on within 
five years of being in business that uh, I, I've told this story numerous times that I had never worked flat rate. I went right out of trade school into a business. Business was kind of functioning, just kind of a hobby shop uh, situation, and I got the opportunity to basically run it and later buy it within, uh, I bought it within a year of, of well, nine months of going to work there. I purchased oh, young it. Work. I was 21 years old. Wow. And I, and I knew I wanted to be a business owner from freshman year of high school, but it's interesting. I got no guidance to take any accounting classes or anything like that. I went to uh, four years of college. I took two years of automotive and two years of diesel and heavy equipment. Our area is rural, and we worked on a lot of diesel stuff in high school and thought, oh, I'm going to want to learn that too. By the way, there's hundreds of thousands of people listening that can absolutely relate to this story. Absolutely right. So I so I uh, went to this time management class because I had cars every I, we had to I had to figure out how to get more time in a day because as Brian said you're so busy spinning plates all day long to put a little couple of minutes thought into something you're working on buying a building or relocating you got to eke out that little section of time and it's and then you go back to your job and you're not very efficient with that time because you're fixing cars and trying to learn how to manage people and get parts coming and and we didn't we didn't understand we didn't know we didn't know and so i went to this time management class and and uh a long time now one of my mentors uh recognized at the first break that i didn't i wasn't getting it i didn't see how it applied to me because i didn't own a time clock i didn't understand i had a time guide i would look up the time but the car's got to get fixed so you fix the car there was two of us involved in the business and he said how are you feeling? You you getting all this? I'm like, no, no, I'm 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 out of here. I'm leaving. I got cars to fix. I can be home in an hour. I'm gone. He goes. You might want to stick around. I think you want to stick around. Okay, okay. So I stuck around at lunchtime. Three of them sat me down and started asking questions. And the best I could, I explained them, but I didn't know what they were asking me for the most part. And it was things that we would ask. You know, what's your gross profit? I don't know. How much sales are you doing? I knew that number. I could tell them how many cars, how many cars I I have a part, and how many I fixed last month, and how much money I made. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How much money you made? What was in the checkbook? You mean? No, I just knew how much the sales were. I thought oh, I made oh, that oh, money. Oh, for okay. all I knew, that's oh. my money. Oh, money you right? made. Oh, I, I made it. money. Yeah, okay, you know? <laughs> I made money. And at the end of it, I oh, paid re- my parts bill. Money. I see. I paid okay. my parts bill. I knew that the difference between what I sold and what I sold paid on my parts bill, it must be mine. Revenue is making money. I mean, God. Yeah, I, I just that. didn't know what I didn't know. And so by the end of the day, it wasn't so much a time management class, but a little uh, hour and a half lunchtime business management class. And then I got involved. Then I started going to classes and listening. Was it almost like that personal shake instead of being in the, you know, the hearing the big picture, but somebody sat you down? Yeah, well, the way they explained it, they were businessmen they were longtime shop owners at that point but they didn't say well you're crazy kid they just said tell me more which would you would you say that they that they uh showed you something you hadn't seen before and maybe and made maybe made you go and this, this is something i can relate to as well it's that epiphany where where it's oh there's more to this yeah exactly and then i've done that now with other shop owners i've had technicians quit me and set up shop and then they call me and go okay what about this and one of them is here today because he's never seen a PL sheet but he's got owns a business and he's only owned it for three months oh so wow he's here he's and, like and he's oh, here he's young and you're and he's helping learning. him 
Absolutely. And I think that needs to be a wave of the future because we were, we were talking uh, on a town hall panel at Vision and, and the ideas came up about, you know, where are the young guys that are going to take over for the boomers and whatever kind of succession plan and buyout program. And we just can't let them alone. We have to help them. And that goes to your point that it's like you can't you, you've got to come to ate every year you've got to take business management classes let your techs take the train you know the tech training we we can't do enough mentoring and enough training guidance with the youth today who's entering the business because we do not want them in my opinion to be to take 10 years to be successful they need to be successful soon why because I think the opportunity is out there. It's huge. And why should we wait to struggle running a business when all that revenue and all that car count coming in could create such a great business and well-paid techs and benefits and, and you know the right training and the equipment to really grow an incredibly big and fruitful business? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of young guys. They, don't, they may not realize the opportunity that exists in front of them. Right, and they, they, they don't have the time because the way business goes, you don't have time to spend the 10 years I did learning. You won't make it today. You won't make it all the way if it takes you 10 years to go, yeah, I guess I better get some training for either management, uh, financial, or technical training. Obviously, we know the technical side. But on the business side, the cost of doing business is higher. And so you're not going to – I mean, you're not going to be able to make it if you're going to wait 10 years before you go and try to find some guidance. I mean, not too many people have that innate talent to just run the business well for 10 years and go, yeah, I think now it's a time like we did. I went 10 years probably, well, probably six, eight years before I really got a lot of technical training. I mean, it's, uh, I said that wrong. It wasn't technical training. It was managerial training. It was financial training. Technical side, I absorbed. I loved it, but I I didn't see the need. I was like, well, we're doing a lot of work. Must be doing it right. When you find some willing candidate, and air quotes on that, do you get a call to the association office, or do you just through a network realize that, you know, Bobby down the road is struggling a little bit. We know he's a pretty good guy. We've met him before. Let me pick up the phone and say, hey, let's have coffee. It could go both ways. Um, sometimes we'll have somebody that uh, recognizes that maybe they need uh you know, somebody to help them see things from 30,000 feet. Well, they may probably don't even know that much, but they know enough to reach out to the office. And that's where uh, Jeff will reach out to one of us and uh, get us in contact with this individual and see if we can help them find some low-hanging fruit and get a foothold. Without any names, Brian, do you have an experience to share? Yeah, and I've been on both sides of it, uh, on, on you know the mentoree side. By uh, the way, I want to stop everyone. You've all been on the receiving side. Yeah, absolutely. Butch, and and that makes you a better giver, doesn't it? Yeah, as Butch pointed out at the beginning of this, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that even if I still managed to be in business uh, today, it would no way know how to be at the level that we are without all of the uh, the help that I've received through ASA. So anyway, I've definitely been on the receiving end. Um, an individual that uh, I'm working with right now, uh, really he had hamstrung himself. Uh, had some some uh, misconceptions about how things needed to be in his uh, in a shop environment uh, and was kind of running into some roadblocks and he just needed somebody else to come in and you know pull him back a little bit and say well you know have you looked at it this way and what if you did this over here and you can just see the light bulb click on uh, within the first two weeks you know he made some 
relatively easy changes that have already got some traction for them. And our intent with our, our mentor program here in uh, ASA Northwest uh, is to get these folks to the point where they can uh, they can be self-sufficient enough, uh, adept enough at running their businesses that they can go to the next level and get hooked up with a business coach or get into a 20 group and then go to the next level beyond that. So it's just a building process. Have you guys all had coaches in the past? I have, yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think, I think we forgot one other piece of this puzzle. And, you know, one of the things that you see happen, and it's every association meeting, it's every retreat, it's it's here, you know, every every two minutes you'll hear this conversation. When you talk business, and specifically when you talk business owner to owner, manager to manager, in in our case, association member to non or association member to new member. When I'm asking questions about how your business is going and you say, good, you say, yeah, it's doing well. The next question is, well, tell me about gross profit. Tell me about total sales. Tell me about car count. And things begin to reveal themselves. And, and you, you begin to know how well this person knows their numbers. You begin to know how well this person may or may not see the, the, whole, the whole shape of their business. And in doing that, what begins to happen is they learn from you, you learn from them. But a more fundamental understanding of where they are in their, in their journey begins to happen. And that natural help just flows. And there's no ask. There's yeah, in, in you're, many you're cases exactly right, Brian. Three or four of the guys that come to my mind immediately that, that I've worked with, there's never been an ask. There's just a call every twenty, thirty days. Hey, would you would you mind talking to me about this issue? Would you mind what do you think is going on in this type of marketing? Um, hey, I notice my sales are off. What you know, are you noticing this? So they made the leap to call out for help. Without, with, you know, they put their ego on the shelf, and once, once you kind of broke the ice is what you're saying. Yeah, it's more organic in what yeah. Brian's describing. You I know, see. Just hanging out with each other at, uh, at the hospitality suite at one of our retreats or you know, wherever, um, yeah, and Brian's spot on. You, know, you get that conversation started, and, and ultimately what everything hinges on that Brian's describing is relationship. And we, we do a lot of relationship building here, some of it on purpose. <laughs> There's another angle that uh, happens often. Um, we have two membership specialists that are full-time, basically, recruiters. And they visit a lot of shops every day. And uh, several times a year, I'll get a call from one of our membership specialists. Um, Would you call Bob over there at such and such? Um, he's having a little trouble, and he, he, he just wants to talk to you. And I, I, when it's all over, what you find out is that, that they've visited this shop off and on through the years and trying to get them to join or come to a meeting just come to a meeting hand them paperwork for it and they know when they walk in they've been walking into shops a long time they know what's going on the shop's in total chaos and I mean, oh, it seems a little extra busy in here today and the guy's a little exasperated at one point there's finally a crack in the armor and they'll say yeah this is rough and that's the time when you ask them uh, do you want to? So I know somebody that's really good in this area. You want us to give you a call, and so that breaks the ice. So now they've, you know, it's kind of like any addiction. You got to reach the end of your rope 
before you put your ego aside and say, yeah, I can't do this alone. And it's hard for us independent guys to say that or independent gals. It's hard to do that for us to say, yep, I'm, I'm going to fail. Why is it so hard, guys? I don't know. Really, help it me just with that. Because We're human. Let's, let's figure this out. Let, let's come up with a holy grail so that people can listen to this. And then they'll, the, the, you know, put your ego on the shelf. We hear this over and over and over again. But why is it so hard? Is because we have to prove to who that we can do this in the best way possible by absorbing the rays of the sun to make me smarter. I mean, well, if you read the e-myth, oh yeah, the old original, I've got it in hard copy, the entrepreneurial seizure, why we went into business, a percentage, I don't know if it's the same now, but back then, a percentage of the techs that were business owners later were working for somebody that probably didn't know it all, which none of us do, but they saw like, why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? I should own a business. I'm going to go out on my own. And they were technical people that knew the technical side, and maybe they knew a little bit about the other part, but now they're in it. They've made a commitment to themselves. They've hawked their house, their toolbox. They sold their camper and their ski boat, and now they're in business. And by golly, they're going to they're going to do it because they made a commitment to themselves. They might not even have verbalized it, but that's where we are. We're humans. I mean, I don't think we're the only industry that's in that. If you look at the rate of failure in, in businesses nationwide, I don't think we're unique. No, it's not. You know, five years, it's, they're, they're, you know, I think there's a survivor rate of something like 10%. Why does Automotive Service Association Northwest have this thing where we can actually help other businesses do that and some of them we can't reach? How do we, how do we reach those? And you know, we get them to a, what he said, you get them to a retreat, or if we can get them to three chapter meetings in a row, they're going to meet enough people, the people are friendly there, they go talk to them about stuff. Usually we got them. We can get started and get them to come to that. They're, they're going to they're gonna learn a little bit. We bring content to every chapter meeting. There's going to be some little morsel you're going to go back with and go, wow, that's, that's information you know, I need. There's another piece here, too, and that is it's the reality of our group. And I have, you know, in my in my short decade of being heavily involved with this group the things i have seen i have seen grown men on the on the verge of collapse crying i have seen seen men who um have gone back and presented who are in tears from their success from this organization and telling us the stories of the day they were about to break down in tears and again i think it's ego on both sides it's that ego on the successful side to let it down and talk about those days that you were having trouble and, and the reality of how you got out that, that, again, opens that conversation further to that the ego on the other side that you go, wow, I need help. So what starts taking down that uh, veil, if you will, the iron curtain? And uh, I, I think, oh, <laughs> you should have all seen the, uh, the, the, the cocktail notice that Brian was doing. You got to have some drinks. That works. So here in ASA Northwest, we do know how to have our fun, and, and that is sometimes conducive to letting that veil drop. I was going to say the N-word, networking. And to me, it seems the umbrella that starts that first three-chapter meetings, and ooh, these guys are pretty cool. They're, they're here to help. They have the same struggles I do. And you would never know the value of networking if you've never, ever gone to a meeting or participated in something like this. So besides a few libations, 
is networking the, the piece because you start meeting people beyond your, your circle. Absolutely huge. We have some people that sign up with ASA Northwest and then they don't participate. You know, we might get them to a chapter meeting and we never see them again. But the people that we can get to engage to some level that will come to a few meetings and especially if we can get them to a retreat, let alone an event like this at uh, ATE, mm-hmm. you know, they get it. That light bulb clicks on. And away we go. And that's where those relationships, uh, again, are fostered. Wonderful. You guys are writing notes to each other over there. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Butch, Butch was pointing out, and I, we, we've kind of termed ourselves. We, we say ASA is the invisible hand that drives the automotive, uh, the automotive world. In the Northwest. In the Northwest. ASA Northwest is that invisible hand that's there. If you need something, we'll pull you up or we'll hand you something. Or we'll take something from you. It's there. And it's been a long time coming. We had a branding weekend where we sat down and tried to put what we do in a box. Because we know that if 10 people get involved in in this association to a minor level, just going to chapter meetings. If 10 people do, we're going to get two or three of them and it's going to change their life. But how do we get them there to begin with? Because that's been a struggle for a long time. So we start putting on fun events. We have one new uh, chapter president that says, and he's a very dynamic guy, and, and I'm sure you'll be interviewing him soon. It's we want that chapter meeting to be so exciting that nobody wants to miss it. They're going to feel like they, they're left out if they don't go. Because we do bring a lot of content. We have every time. Some of the the uh, trainers that are here this weekend mm-hmm. go and they'll be there for 45 minutes and just let them go and you leave there with something and yeah you've worked all day and you had you know hopefully a reasonable meal and you talk to some of your buddies and you know, like you do once a month at the meeting but maybe it's your first meeting and you came in here you don't know anybody and they fed you some food and you're thinking about going home now obviously it's after work these meetings are evening you don't get to be with your family sometimes i know seattle traffic it's an hour drive to go 15 miles to go to a chapter meeting and then you got to go go home and it's you know, it's nighttime, you get yourself ready for your next day. But you leave with something you can use and you feel good because somebody there said, Hi, how you doing? How's business? What's going on? They sat next to you, they you got to watch them take notes, you took some notes. But we try to bring content so every meeting you feel like, Man, I gotta come back. You walk month. away with something. Something you learn that something. might help. We're working on that side of it, but the the whole process is it's ATE. Some of them that come here they started now they're members they're gonna because they saw what goes on here anytime we get a golf tournament the the fun event we go to a baseball game uh minor league game uh, we go to uh our retreats and those retreats sometimes have fun events you got people to go to retreat is that like a daytime thing do i have to close my shop do i have to leave it how can i leave you yeah retreats typically going to be three days three day retreat thursday friday saturday and you've, ch- you've changed people's lives that have gone to that right absolutely yeah. brian's yeah. a specific I example yeah, really I, do, I definitely did you drink a lot while you were there absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we have a theme going <laughs> yeah so you've seen a trend aren't you Carl? <laughs> you know and i i wanted to share one thing that i i think we 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 talked about our branding message and going back there for a moment when we when we went to go sit down and work on what we were doing for branding message. We brought in a facilitator who's from the educational world. So he's not a stereotypical guy for what we do. And I, I know him personally and I kind of set him up for it. And when it was all said and done, he came back and, and he was absolutely blown away. 
And he, he looked at me and he said, you know, you brought me over there for a bunch of business guys. I expected we would talk about dollars and revenue and how we're going to raise this and do that. But that isn't what we did. He said, you guys brought me over there to invest in your family. You brought me over there to, to truly bring you guys up together. And it, to this day, he still stops by my office and says, hey, uh, you know, as soon as you guys are ready for another round, let me know. He had so much fun. He, and he, to hear him describe it, it wasn't that it was fun. He, he feels invested. He feels personally invested from us involving him. He was in the right moment at the right time with the right people, and, and everything worked. Well, well, if you're with ASA Northwest, you're with the right people. I know. That's right. <laughs> These are great stories, and, and I hope the message gets through, and some of the people that are listening will, will cross that red line in their life and, and reach out. And it doesn't matter if they're not here from the Northwest and they're from anywhere else in the country. There are many, 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 hundreds and thousands of shop owners that are willing to help and associations that are out there. Hey, guys, let's talk about our crazy industry. Big opportunities coming up. How do you see uh, you know a couple of years down the road? What are you uh, what are you excited about? Oldest fleet ever on the road, record number of cars being sold. When the economy went down, like '09, it was a great time to be in business. It was awesome because before then we went through a period of time where if the car needed a bunch of maintenance, they had just go buy another car or you're making one, payments yeah. on that yeah. one for the same payment I can buy another one and you didn't have to pass a test to get financing so we had a we, had, we struggled our industry wasn't wasn't as fun and then after that we had you know cars last a long time you maintain them they'll go personally we have customers two and three hundred thousand miles they aren't even thinking about getting rid right. of them it's still they're still running well and they're nice looking cars because they keep them clean so we have a an industry opportunity now where they got to keep them because cars are expensive. They're still selling record numbers, but there's cost of living's not not down there. They're lasting a long time, but to make them last a long time, they take some maintenance. So the opportunity is still great. I still say it's a great time to be in business. Now, is technology getting crazy? You know, it is, and it, they say it's exponential from what it was before. But I was there in the carburation days. I. I remember the first fuel injected cars and they were analog and there was no feedback and we were checking them with voltmeters and test lights and we didn't know what we were doing. You're telling me you're not afraid of technology and what it means to this changing business model? You can't be afraid of it. I mean, if you're coming to ATE and going to the training along, you probably got a little hint. You've seen it once before, but maybe you haven't. Well, we won't see those for a couple of years. Well, right now is a couple of years from when we were here. But they're vesting in knowing they're vesting in their think because they're hearing some futurists here talk about, you know, start stop technology. I, I was Tomorrow's uh, lunchtime town hall is going to probably bring out some neat stuff that's coming down the pipe. And, and that's what we try to do here besides just the training. We push the envelope. The trainers are out there probably a little ahead of the curve. And they have to kind of back it up a little bit for some of the classes, but they let things out. And that's what you find out at lunchtime here. The trainer and the, and the trainee are talking about something he said, and he's like, yeah, that's really cool. This new technology does this. And with uh, the advanced driver assistance systems, they'd ask, that opened up a whole new level. And to go and, and uh, see some train, get some training on that, we're not going to see one of those. You and I were in training. Detroit, remember? Yeah, we were in Detroit. Was, was that demonstration from Bosch not kind of mind-blowing and mind numbing at the same time right. if you trade read the trade publications you saw it coming but you think oh no I, you know I, you don't really get it but then you see it live and you're like how does that really work so 
to see it demonstrated and uh, now, I mean, driving the cars, um, everyone should go drive an ADAS equipped car. Just do it. If you, if you don't have a lot of them in your area, go rent one and take your crew one at a time for a ride and let them drive it. And that will make them, I think, think about, wow. So I'm going to take my hand off the wheel. The car is going to recognize, even if I just loosen my grip on the wheel, it recognizes that I'm leaving my lane of travel. It warns me. It audibly warns me. It pings a bell or it flashes a dash. And then it backs off the throttle and steers the car back into the lane. If you're a technician, you know how this whole thing works. And you, you've been doing this for just a little while. You realize a lot of things were happening right there. And that is a powerful thing to drive a new tesla and have it do what it does that is such a great point that has to drive the thirst for education wouldn't you think absolutely thank you but brian same question opportunities coming pick a different subject yeah ultimately it really does revolve around the technology that uh that we're seeing uh change our industry and and to allude to what butch said a, a minute ago you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were making the transition from, you know, points condenser ignition to electronic and from carburation to fuel injection. And, and we were all sitting there going, we're never going to be able to work on this stuff. Computers and cars, are you kidding me? We're never going to be able to do this. Today is no different. You know, it's just a, in a different box. The, the thing we've got working to our benefit now is the training opportunities that are available we never had anything like that before you know we had to figure it out you know if we were lucky and knew somebody that could kind of coach us up a little bit um you know great but this this is a whole different world now with that. kudos to you guys for the talent that's here training i'm getting to know so many of my know some of the management trainers i think along with these opportunities there's also some challenges and i, I think we're looking at some things that are, are going to shape the market. Um, you talk about uh, millennials. Um, let's talk about people who don't care if they own a car. You know, how does how does that change the model? Um, push that inner city. Um, so we're going to have automated cars. We're going to have autonomous. They, they will drive themselves. We understand that. Um, how does that change how we do business today? And I, I think these are these are some of the challenges we're just starting to see that are that are definitely headed our way. So you know, take that for a moment. Your inner city, where I no longer have to own a car, be dependent on a car. I no longer have to use public transportation. I instead grab my phone, just as I do an Uber, and boom, a car is there. It picks me up. It drops me off where I need to go. Cost me twenty bucks or twelve or fifteen, whatever it might be, maybe forty, but it's still cheaper than owning a car. And it's cheaper than the maintenance. And I don't really care much for a car anyhow if I'm in that if I am that person. So so that challenge kind of falls back to us as well in the in the regard of are we going to be heavier in chasing fleets? Um, are we going to be working on our own internal structure of cars that maybe we own? Um, what does that dynamic look like? Obviously, the you know all the chips aren't on the table, but. This is, without a doubt, a major pivot point for our industry. And, you know, time will tell. I did an interview with a young woman from Chicago who doesn't own a car, and her life evolves around apps. So you're here speaking to me. I looked it up. It's episode 305, Derek Kaufman and Jorn Thompson. And it was the most interesting view of a millennial-type person who has existed in Chicago without a car for a dozen years who lives a full life. Now, the city dwellers, this is their thing, but how they, she, she tells about opening up the folder on her phone and the apps to wait in line at restaurants and to get her dry cleaning and to get all her food. And we've done some other episodes 
in the discussion of TAAS transportation as a service, and that these cars are going to have to be repaired because you know as much as everyone says there's not going to no one's going to own cars anymore. Well, then the miles that we live our life are going to go on some kind of vehicle, and they're going to need to be fixed and repaired. And you know what? Okay, maybe electrics or hybrids may not have the kind of work that you're used to lately, but it's all going to work its way out. There may be less shops out there, but there may be bigger ones to do all the work. Yeah, the business model is definitely changing. Being able to gear up for all makes is probably going to go away, but there are some things in the in the pipeline from some of the companies that would probably bridge that gap for us, and that's we're on the edge of that right now. Pretty tough for an independent shop to be all makes right now, to do all the computer stuff along with all but the But what repair. about having a specialist on staff and all he does is Asian? Sure, you could have that business model where you have a specialist in each one, but you'll be a pretty big shop. Average ASA Northwest shop, I think, is two and a half techs. Okay. Pretty tough to be all makes if you got two and a half techs. And I, I would throw another piece out there, too, that you're, a lot of this will be dependent on what happens in D.C. You know, much, much of where the autonomous piece goes is how that is then regulated at the national level. Um, you know, again, we don't want to see that come back in the states, but if if they all have to work under one platform, maybe that changes that piece. You know, so so we don't, we don't know. There's a there's a whole story that's going to unfold. Hey, it was great to be out here at ASA Northwest Automotive Training Expo ATE with Butch Jopes, the ASA Northwest Chairman of the Board, Brian Smith, ASA Northwest Immediate Past Chairman of the Board. Did I mention you're at Gig Harbor, Brian, and you own B and B Automotive, Butch, and of course Brian Kelly, the ASA Northwest Chairman Elect. In two years, right? from Valley Automotive Electric. I so enjoyed this. Thank you for being such gracious, kind hosts. Love this studio you set me up with. And I want to thank the ACT group for hosting me out here. Guys, thanks so much. Hey, thank you, shop owners Butch Jobst, Brian Smith, and Brian Kelly from ASA Northwest for your engaging dialogue. And also thanks again for the great hospitality shown me from ASA Northwest and to the ACT group for hosting me in Seattle. Find the episode talking points at remarkableresults.biz slash E319. And thank you for joining us and for your support of the Aftermarket's premier podcast. I know you're finding a treasure trove of learning opportunities and wisdom in the podcast archives that includes the individual interviews and the Town Hall Academy single subject forums. I do love to hear from you, by the way. Email me, karm at remarkableresults.biz, or head over to the contact page on the website. There's an easy click there. Hey, please help spread the word. Many are changing their lives and their businesses as they engage with the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...